Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and I'm on a roll with these episodes on food, feelings and trust. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about how to help children who have already learned to eat to suppress their feelings. And this follows on from the last episode about helping babies who've learned to suppress their feelings. And the one before that about how babies and children learn to feed and eat to suppress their feelings in the first place. So if you haven't already listened to episode 160, I really recommend listening to that one first. So if you have already listened to that one, welcome, welcome. As always, you know me, I really want to remind you that it's so, so understandable if your child or your children have learned to suppress their feelings with food for all the myriad of reasons that I shared about in episode 160. So of course, I invite you to drop any guilt or self-judgment sticks and to be deeply compassionate with yourself. That part's the Marian method. You might want to say something like, I'm really not willing to feel guilty. I'm really not willing to pick up those guilt sticks. I'm really not willing to judge myself. I'm really willing to be deeply compassionate with myself because of all the completely understandable natural reasons why this has happened. And I really want to remind you that that is not only going to help you feel more comfortable in your body and more present, but that's actually also going to support you to help your child more. And actually, it's interesting because it was in relation to control patterns that I really understood for myself that guilt did not help my parenting in any way. It was when my daughter was, how old would she have been? One and a half, two. And I started to notice that any time I was judging myself about her having a control pattern, and usually that was breastfeeding, that I noticed that when I was picking up those guilt sticks and I was feeling those emotional bruises of guilt, that actually then I was less present with her. And of course, as I'm going to be sharing about more, presence is one of the key antidotes to suppression and dissociation. So that's why I decided, I'd already learned about MVC, nonviolent communication, where I learned so much about guilt. I'm so grateful to Marshall Rosenberg. And if you haven't looked into NVC, I really, really recommend it. I have found it works really enjoyably with aware parenting. So I'd already learned about the origins of guilt from NVC, but it was really through that experience of seeing my judging myself when I saw that Lana had was using a control pattern was the extra impetus I had to go, okay, not only am I going to understand guilt, but I'm actually willing to get free from it. And that took me on the whole, I was going to say crusade. I don't think I want to use that word, a whole journey. So I have created offerings and courses on getting free from guilt. And next year, that's going to be one of the books that I'm willing to write as well. What next? If your child or children have already learned to suppress their feelings with food, well, the first thing, as always, well, perhaps it's the second thing. After dropping the guilt sticks, it's related. I recommend your own inner work. So however you do that, so you might like journaling. Again, if you're familiar with the Marian method, you might do the inner loving presence process. You might connect with your inner loving presences. You might do willingness work. But ideally, it's really, really helpful to have someone listening to your feelings as well. So, of course, as always, I really recommend multiple listening partners, having some sessions with a aware parenting instructor, 
because in order to be able to help our children reclaim their inner wisdom in relation to food and then knowing about what food is helpful for their bodies and when and how much and what's too much and to be able to express their feelings when they feel upset, they need us to be able to be present, to be present in our bodies and to be present with them in their bodies. Because what we're really aiming to do is to help them to become present again in their bodies at the places and times where they dissociate through eating. And that's the actual time that we want to do the opposite, which is to rather than dissociating or suppressing their feelings, we're wanting to support them to reclaim their innate wisdom really their bodies knowing what they need and when and how much and that requires presence they need to be present in their bodies to be able to actually draw on that incredible innate wisdom so we really could say that presence and connection are the antidotes to suppression and dissociation including through food so if we are to be as present as we can be as much as we can be with our children that invites us to attend, as always, to those three things in ourselves. So as usual, I've adapted this from Aletha's beautiful list of the three reasons for challenging behavior in children. And she does also use this in relation to adults. It's just I've really expanded that. It can be really helpful to come back to those three questions. Okay, our thoughts. What are we thinking? So what are you telling yourself when you see them eating to suppress, when you see them reaching for the third cookie, really understanding the power and the effect of your thoughts. So again, the importance of really getting to explore that, getting to be lovingly heard, like getting to understand why you are thinking that. And again, so normal and natural. Many of the thoughts we have picked up are via cultural conditioning. And so much of this process is about the deconditioning process. So really changing some of those core beliefs that we've acquired. So that would be my first invitation. What are you telling yourself? What are you noticing your thoughts are? And then your needs. So again, if you have a lot of unmet needs, the feelings that you feel that are signaling to you, hey, I've got an unmet need here. Come on, come on, come on, come and meet my need. Those are going to try to claim your attention and they're going to probably clamor loud. And the more unmet needs we have, the more loudly they clamor and the harder it is then to be present. And so again, the harder it is to really support our children to become more present again with their bodies and what's really going on in their bodies. And of course, our feelings. So it can be so normal to feel all kinds of uncomfortable feelings that can be again, from our everyday needs, but they can also often be from the past. So you might feel frustrated or powerless or outraged or numb or scared. And the more you get to express those feelings to a loving listener, and that might include your inner loving presence work as well, you might enjoy journaling as well. But the more you can be with those feelings, express them, have them lovingly heard so that they're not sitting at the surface of your body, Again, the more present you're going to be, you're going to be able to support your child or children and you're also going to be more able to actually listen to the feelings that they are trying to suppress through food in whatever way that is. So if you were to 
speak in response to this podcast right now and share about your child or your children's relationship with food, what might you say? What might come out? And as you notice those thoughts or the words, when if you're driving the car on your own, you might feel comfortable just to speak those. What comes to you? So again, it's really trusting that whatever's going on for you, I am sending so much love, so much unconditional love and compassion. The more you get to tend to those with love and tenderness, the more you're going to be able to really support your child or children with this. And I just want to say again, I think it's so normal and natural that we will have really, really, really big feelings about this. You know, food, suppression, dissociation, feelings. So I welcome all your feelings. All your big feelings are welcome here. With other control patterns, I generally recommend this kind of series in general to focus first on connection, then attachment play, then loving limits. But with food, things are different. So it's the same with the connection and presence part but it's different in terms of attachment play and loving limits. So I'm going to talk about those in a moment and why that is. But first of all, I'm going to start off with the continuing on with the connection and presence because really those are key. If you think about it, connection and presence are key to them being able to feel the uncomfortable feelings that they're suppressing through food. And the connection and presence are vital to support them to regain that innate wisdom that they have in their bodies about what food is helpful and what isn't. So for both of those reasons, it's so important. So with connection and presence, that might be just moving in to connect with them with our loving presence, really remembering. The way I like to think about it and talk about it is, it's like the, the warmth is melting the freeze. So if we think of dissociation being a bit like freeze, frozen water, that it's our warmth, it's our compassion, it's our closeness, it's our loving thoughts, it's our warm feelings that we're feeling in our body that actually are what support them to be able to melt so that they move from that frozenness to the flowing feelings like a frozen river melting and then flowing down to the ocean and that beautiful process of melting so powerful. So again, and that's why it's so important for us to then drop the judgments and listen loving to ourselves and do all of those things because we're not going to be able to connect if we're judging ourselves or, or judging them as well. That's another part of it. If we're judging them, it's going to be hard for us to offer that really beautiful warmth. So how do you feel if you imagine really deeply connecting with your child next time you see them suppressing their feelings with food? And what might you like to do? Might you like to also remember when you suppressed your feelings as a child, particularly if that also was with food, but however that was, how would you have wanted to be unconditionally loved? What would you have loved to receive? What words and actions would you have loved? There's a little bird coming again. It's always the way, isn't it? I could just rename this podcast the Aware Parenting Podcast plus birds, dogs, and other beings. <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, yeah, and what else would you like to imagine exactly how you would have wanted your parents or whoever it was to respond to you? What would you like them to say when you were doing whatever your control patterns were? So that might have been you got home from school when you rushed to the cupboard and you got out the 
crisps or the chips or the whatever it was. Back in my day, in the very olden days, it was things like, oh, they were called club biscuits. <laughs> biscuits with chocolate on. Well, yeah, what do you remember doing things like that? What would you have loved for them to say? How would you love them to respond? That can be really, really helpful. So again, to go back to remember, reminding yourself they're suppressing their feelings for important reasons without judging yourself about that. And so might you like to sit with them as they're eating all their sweeties, lollies, candy? Would you like to ask them about all the flavors? Would you like to notice the packaging? Would you like to just really be present with them and be curious? Because again, I really want to remind you, and we're going to talk about this more in terms of us as adults, because the antidote to dissociation is presence, we can bring that in at any point. So bringing attention and presence to the food whilst we're eating it, to the 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 crisps and like, oh gosh, what's the flavor? Oh, that flavor, that's, that's got sea salt. Oh, how do they feel on your tongue when you taste them? Oh, can I try one? Oh yeah, gosh, I can feel that sensation right up in the, on the, which part of my tongue can I feel it? And oh yeah, where do you feel that when you eat them? And gosh, I notice I can feel the sensation in my cheeks or on my lips. I can feel that. Wow. Where do you feel that when you're eating them? Gosh, this is really interesting. Let's do this again next time. You know, just bringing in that fun and that curiosity and that connection and that love to be just like with them. And of course, this is going to require a lot from us to not go into oh my God, they're eating the crisps again and don't they know that those are really, I don't want them to eat those. They already have eaten a packet today and we might go into future thoughts. So that's why it's not only about regularly having our listening partnership or seeing our aware parenting instructor. It's also about being aware of in the moment also, what are we telling ourselves? Ah, noticing that. And that takes a lot, doesn't it? To in the moment to be remembering, oh, what do I want to be thinking here? How do I want to be connected with my body? So that might be, you might have a little in a loving phrase. So that might be, again, if you know the Marian method, you might be reparenting yourself at the same time. You might have just a little inner phrase of like, I'm right here with you, sweetheart. I'm here. I'm listening. You might sit next to them and be also really feeling the the presence maybe your leg is up is next to their leg as you're sitting next to them and you might be really supporting yourself to stay present in your body when you want to dissociate like really finding ways in the present to support yourself to stay present and so we might have thought about this beforehand as well what are we really wanting to communicate to them are we wanting to communicate to them that we love them unconditionally also when they're suppressing their feelings with food i mean how amazing would that be if we all had internalized that and what phrases would you like to communicate that to them you might even say that really directly it's totally up to you you might want to communicate to them about the control pattern or the the way that they're suppressing feelings but often you might choose not to say anything and really more being with connection and presence and playfulness and curiosity. And really having that sense of offering a deep sense of compassion so that they really come away with the sense of being unconditionally loved when they're suppressing feelings and how that paradoxically can create even more emotional connection, even more emotional safety for them to actually express the feelings that eating the food is 
suppressing. And it's powerful, isn't it? The more we can really communicate to them, I love you however you feel. I love you unconditionally. I love you exactly as you are. The more they're actually going to be willing to come home and have a big cry rather than reach for the cupboard. So remember I said that there were, in terms of food, attachment play and loving limits are different compared to other control patterns. So let's first of all talk about attachment play and why that is. So I imagine you're already familiar with aware parenting, attachment play being a core part of aware parenting and one of the core ways that children both learn to understand their world, but also one of the important ways that they both prepare for experiences, but also they get to heal from stress and trauma. They get to release all kinds of feelings, doesn't replace crying and raging, but it's incredibly powerful and often really underestimated. It's really powerful. Attachment play is really, really powerful. So with attachment play, really not using it to try to make them eat food that we think is healthy. It's not to try to trick them. So even though you might be tempted to do the equivalent of whatever age they are, the old fashioned, the food on the spoon and it's an aeroplane trick. Really the idea there to, to kind of trick the child into eating food. We're really not doing that because of course we're all about trusting children's innate wisdom. We, what we want them to be is deeply connected with themselves, not tricked into eating something. And similarly, we can all play all kinds of games about food and green food and that will work in terms of making them eat what we think is healthy. But again, what we're really aiming to do is to support them to listen to their bodies, not to what we think is healthy or not. Because as you know, if you've been researching food and health for some while, it's constantly changing. The most up-to-date research, and there are 20 million different approaches, and many of them are completely contradictory. So really, we're coming back to supporting them to listen to their own unique bodies because everybody is different. Everybody has different food requirements at different times, stages, ages, seasons. So what we're really aiming to do is rather than going, oh, yes, oh, how wonderful. I did a touch and play and I got them to eat extra X, Y, and Z. <laughs> we're really... We're really coming to wanting them to know what their body needs right in that moment. And actually right in that moment, it might be, if you're plant-based, you won't enjoy hearing this. I'm plant-based too. But anyway, they might just want to eat a whole load of butter. And I remember my children going through phases like that. And I'd already read it in Cooperative and Connected, although that used to be called Helping Young Children Flourish back then. So I had that reassurance. Oh, yes, I remember Aletha talked about that. Here it is. <laughs> So I am going to talk in a little while about how we still can use attachment play in relation to food. Well, I say can. Of course, please do whatever you feel called to do to really, as always, trust yourself. But how we still might use attachment play. First of all, I just want to talk a bit about loving limits and why we, in general, don't recommend using loving limits with food. And that's similar to thumb sucking. So if a baby or a child is sucking their thumb, 
they're doing that to suppress feelings or dissociate, we do not ever recommend taking their thumb out of their mouth. So what we're doing instead is really seeing thumb sucking is something they are choosing to do because in that moment they've got painful feelings bubbling up and they're not feeling the emotional safety to express those feelings. So the aim is to really see that as a symptom. It's a symptom for us to look, as always, like, okay, why is that the case? And where does that come from? And where might we offer more connection and presence? Where we might we offer more loving limits in order to really, in whatever opportunity it is, to help them with that balance of attention so that they do feel comfortable and willing to express those feelings, whether that's crying or raging or laughter, whatever it is. So it's similar with food because it's something that they are doing with their own bodies. We generally don't recommend loving limits apart from in two cases. So the first is, and I talked about this pretty sure in the last episode, it's breastfeeding because if we're feeding them, that's our body. Because it's our body, we get to say no if it's a no. And the other case is if their child has weight or health issues in relation to food. So as always, I invite you to listen in to yourself. There's no have-tos here. It's all about really listening in. Does this resonate with you? How do you feel when you hear this? What do you think? It's so important for you to trust yourself. So there's a lovely quote here from Aletha. She says, if your child overeats to numb painful emotions, the most effective approach in the long run is to address his underlying feelings rather than trying to control what he eats. Just like a thumb-sucking habit, overeating is a control pattern that he does to his own body to suppress emotions. So, yeah, again, we're really looking at returning to all the basics of aware parenting in all the places and also fostering self-connected eating and really being present with them whenever we can, knowing that that requires a lot from us. And so again, being really compassionate with ourselves all the times we are not present. So that might be noticing when we might unwittingly be distracting them from their feelings at other times. Maybe we might even notice that we're actually distracting them from their feelings with food at other times. Maybe we avoiding broken cookie moments and funny phrase to use in this context, isn't it? But, you know, broken cookie is when there is only one cookie left in the jar and it's broken and they start to have a really big cry in relation to that. And we might go, oh, it's okay. Or I'll go and there's another, I can go to the shops and get you another packet. Or we're trying to fix it because we think the feelings are about an immediate need when actually they are trying to find a pretext to have a, a really big cry. So they might keep trying to look for a pretext. So if we keep thinking it's a needs feeling and we keep fixing things, but they're still agitated Nancy and they keep moving on to something else and something else and something else and they're still agitated and we have aimed to meet the need and the the first or second time and they're clearly not calm and relaxed that tells us it isn't a needs feeling it's a healing feeling 
So just noticing those where we then, instead of trying to fix things, we can actually say, oh, sweetheart, you feel really upset. That's the last cookie and it's broken and there aren't any more. And you really don't want the broken cookie. I'm right here, sweetheart. I'm listening. I see how upset you are. I'm right here with you, lovely. We might also unwittingly be avoiding loving limits. We might be noticing that they're being a bit pinchy or bitey or showing aggression in other ways. And we're, again, avoiding loving limits or avoiding attachment play and responding to that. So really noticing those things, and that might be a particular time. So particularly in the evening, that's when children, their innate wisdom, they try to express feelings so that they can release those feelings, so that they can feel relaxed in their bodies, so that they can then sleep more peacefully and restoratively. And at those times, we might notice, oh, they're getting agitated and antsy about something, and we keep fixing it, and we keep bypassing those feelings. That's the opportunity to just pause Connect in with ourselves. Maybe even having a little five-minute break, whatever it is, so that we can then go in and not try to avoid those feelings, but actually support them to have a lovely big cry. All of these other places, again, because everything is interconnected, if they can have more cries and rages in other places, it's going to mean less and less need to suppress those feelings with food. So again, of course, this goes back to our own feelings, our own emotional spaciousness to be able to listen. If we find we just are wanting to distract them, we're wanting to avoid the broken cookies, we're avoiding loving limits like anything. Always that's the indication as, ah, we're avoiding those feelings in them because we're probably avoiding feelings in ourselves. And that's generally a sign that we need more loving listening so that we feel more the balance of attention so that we can feel and express those feelings and then we can feel more present again so then we can be with their feelings without connecting with all the ones that are sitting in our bodies. And of course, again, the more emotionally spacious we are, the more we're going to be able to offer our presence. I mean, to be present with them at mealtimes when they're eating snacks, when they're reaching for the next bar of chocolate, whatever it is, so we can also support them to bring their attention to their body. So, you know, this really being a core part of aware parenting, in particular the attachment style parenting aspect of aware parenting, that we're helping bring attention to their body. We're asking them questions about how they're feeling before, during and after eating. And so in terms of loving limits, then if we are avoiding loving limits. There are other options. So for example, if they want to have another cookie and we just know that they're suppressing some feelings, we could offer other suggestions. We could say, oh, would you like to get the cookie and hold it and just have a cuddle and I'm here with you and you want to come and tell me what's going on for you, but just hold the cookie so that they really have that sense of agency that we're not trying to take things away from them. We're not trying to overpower them. We're not trying to control them. We're really supporting them. We're with them. We're on the same team. So, of course, there can be lots that we can do here, even though we're aiming not to use attachment play to make them eat what we want them to eat. We're not directly using loving limits, but we can bring in all the philosophy and work with it in playful ways. So, 
You might have heard me share before that I helped my daughter reclaim her inner wisdom around food after I gave her a really big breastfeeding control pattern as a baby and a toddler. And so a couple of the things that I used to do with her is when she asked for food and I really thought she wasn't hungry and it was feelings, I might say, are you hungry for food, sweetheart, or are you hungry for love? Or are you hungry for hug? And so she might say you know, that she was hungry for hug and Again, I, not to just try to replace one way of dissociating with another. So it wouldn't be like a, a, you know, a hug where she might move into dissociation, but like an active, playful, warm hug. I've also shared elsewhere where we used to play a game where we'd listen into our bodies before, during and after food. So really listening into the sensations. And as I've also shared, you know, I was in absolute awe of how even at a really young age, she really soon became, after playing this a bit and helping her really return to her body's innate wisdom, that she could feel way more in terms of the sensations in her body whilst eating and before eating and when her body was telling her that she'd had enough. So again, there are all kinds of ways you can play with this, just really aiming for connection and presence and playfulness and just knowing that we're supporting them to return to their innate wisdom. It was actually really interesting. Another thing I really remember that as I helped her get free from that breastfeeding control pattern and I didn't ever give my son one because I was really, really, really clear that I was not willing for that to happen again. I found that we all ate way less frequently than we had done before when it was more, well, not with my son, but me and my daughter is that as homeschoolers, we would just listen into when we got hungry in the morning. So it, it often wasn't for quite a while after waking up. And so again, it was a really wonderful opportunity for me to really learn about how often I just learn in this culture, waking up and eating breakfast at a particular time, eating meals at particular times, not based on hunger or satiation, but really just based on these cultural learnings and conditionings. So I wonder if you might see it as an incredible opportunity to really understand yourself and your child even more and their body and their needs and all the things. And so although we don't recommend using a touch and play to make children eat what we want them to eat, we can certainly use a touch and play for all the other amazing things that it does. So to help everyone loosen up around food, to help bring more joy and pleasure and this can be particularly helpful if we have been kind of tense or we have been quite coercive or we have not given them much agency, autonomy and choice, or we have been really tight around food. Attachment play can be so helpful for them to heal from those experiences so they can feel more relaxed in their bodies, but also it can be really helpful for us too. And again, I've talked about this in other episodes recently, but you could pretend to be food you pretend to be a cookie no come and eat me come and eat me i'm really tasty oh look i'm you know just being silly and goofy some nonsense play or there's a lovely game from emma mason who's an aware parenting instructor in sydney in relation to what was it sugar i think i think she used to pretend she was sugar and and again playing fun games now i'm not remembering your your game sorry emma (laughs) but playing fun games in relation to sugar and maybe children chasing around the house or just, you know, I'm sure creepy. Fun games about that. 
You can always adapt the no puppies on the couch game. So that might be maybe they're already sitting on the couch or wherever it is and they're eating some kind of thing. And you're pretty clear that they're doing that to suppress some feelings. You might say, okay, whatever you do, when I turn around, you're not going to be still eating those, are you? Really not going to be eating those, are you? You turn around again, little nonchalant whistle, turning around. No, you're still eating those. You're not going to eat any more, are you? Please, not going to turn around. You're definitely not going to be. Turn around, same thing. If they're laughing, they're releasing feelings. And that one can be particularly helpful if we have been quite tight around what they eat and don't eat. That can be very, very healing. So there's a few little examples from my attachment play course. I've learned so much from parents over the years, so many amazing games there that they have come up with and often their children have come up with because children, again, are innately wise. Well, we all are, but children often, they're playing these games anyway, but particularly when we understand these games and the power of them and we join in and we invite the games and we start playing them, they will run with them. They will come up with new ideas. Just really trust their wisdom. So I'm actually going to read a little bit from what they said. So there was one mother who was showing about her child running away from the table with food, either in or on his hands, refusing to eat a lot of things, and her sense that it was about his needs for autonomy and other feelings that come up with the close attention at the table. And the, her husband had some feelings around it, and particularly in relation to him not sitting still. So she started playing with her son and she pretended that the toys were cakes and pretended to eat it. And the dad would come over and say, can you come and eat at the table? And they'd run away from him and they'd pretend to eat on the couch. And dad would pretend to say, no, 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 and come on, eat at the, come and eat at the table. And they keep taking their pretend cakes away and sit at the table and jump up again and run to the couch again. And I loved that she said this was hilarious. So think of all the healing that's happening for everyone. They all laughed, lots of healing, laughter and togetherness. Great opportunity for agency and autonomy and choice. And really just a wonderful healing experience. So just short periods, even if we just do something like that for five minutes. I really wouldn't underestimate the power of something like that. So there's another parent who shared about the the child throwing spoons on the floor or hitting it on things. And so she started trying pretending to look for the off button on the spoon, making different sounds as she tried again and again. Where's the off button here? And he loved it and he giggled. And then he stopped hitting the table after some turns of this. And then again, just being silly and goofy, finding ways to bring play into the places where you might tend to go serious. I often like this as a little rule of thumb with attach and play that if we're getting serious about something, being serious generally rarely works in parenting. If we're getting serious, can we go the other way and get playful? I know it's, it can be a bit radical. I know there are many times that we just will not have it in us to do that. But when we can, it can be so powerful. Then there was another mother sharing about another fun game. So actually, this is more of a younger child, but I'm going to just share it here to, to kind of give you a sense of the kind of things you can play that she was with 
the toddler and her husband. And there'd been lots of going on around food. And she came to bring the bib along and put it around the neck of, or partially around the neck of her husband instead of the of the toddler and kept saying, you know, why doesn't it fit? And, oh, hang on a minute. And lots of laughter from her as a mum and from all of them. You know, just being playful like that. And again, so you might be with a whole load of, of friends and just like if you're offering food to your child, could you offer that in a silly way to your friends? How can you bring in ways that we are with food with our children and do that playfully with our partner or our friends or older family members? Again, just to bring in silliness and goofiness. Often we treat particularly younger children quite differently in relation to food. So playing with that, with nonsense play, can be really helpful. So basically, the more fun you can have around food, the more silly you can be, the more goofy you can be, the more you can bring in attachment play in various different ways. The, the more everyone's going to feel relaxed, the more laughter there'll be. Remind you the power of laughter to release stress. The more relaxed everyone's going to be, the more connected everyone's going to be. And that supports connection with their own bodies. So that's going to just free up that eating control pattern and mean that the feelings flow out more easily. So just really coming back to all of these basics that are so important and so powerful. So I wonder in having listened to this today, how you're feeling. I'm sending love to any feelings that you might have. Again, I really want to invite you to get some support around this. It's so normal and natural for most of us to have really big feelings in relation to food. So as always, I invite you to, if you haven't already got at the moment, I'm recommending three to five listening partners. If you haven't got any or you've got one and you'd like more and you're willing for more, I really invite you to reach out for listening partner support. You can do that on the free Facebook group. I would love to share some of the things that are going on in my world if you'd like to hear more. So my upcoming book is still upcoming. It's not going to be out before Christmas. So I have been feeling disappointed and sad in response to that. And I've been sharing a few posts about that recently, about what that's been helping me connect with in my own past and that little baby me who felt really disappointed. The children's books, I really wanted the first one of those to come out before Christmas too, and that's not happening either. But the book for parents of one to eight-year-olds called I'm Here and I'm Listening will be out early, well, soon after Christmas. Soon, probably in 2024, but very, very early on in 2025, really willing for that. So if you're interested, please keep an eye out for that. You can sign up on my newsletter or just keep an eye on social media. And you know, I so appreciate everyone's support with that. So thank you. Thank you. The Aware Parenting Virtual Village is also coming up. So again, please keep an eye out for that if you're interested. It's going to be a lovely way to have really, really, really mini versions of these and really tailored into what you might be wanting and an opportunity to be part of a community on Telegram. Really easy way to stay connected and just to really have that community and that ongoing connection with aware parenting which is so vital when we're doing so much deconditioning to actually stay in that field of people and information 
I am also going to be opening up spots any moment now for mentoring for 2024. So I have six months or 12 months spot. And again, if you're interested in that, I'll be sharing about that on my main list and on my social media. So, so yummy. Ha ha. Yummy, yummy. <laughs> I don't know if you saw my post as well. Someone some while ago wrote a review saying, how much they really, really did not like me using the word yummy, but I'm going to use yummy today. And I really like the word yummy. I'm sending you love. I wonder if you like the word yummy or if you don't. Sending love to you. I'm sending love to your feelings. I'm sending love to you in relation to food and just so much compassion around this topic. Still got some more episodes coming on this i'm really excited about them so keep an eye out for those two and see you next time